to James, the fourth chapter, James chapter four. Would you believe with me this morning? We, we have a lot of things to cover. I don't want to waste time. Yours or mine. Don't want to bore you with things that are unimportant. Hmm? At the same time, I don't want to be in such a rush that I miss something important too. Right? And so uh, a lot of people nowadays, they got no problem plopping down in front of a TV or a computer screen for three hours watching some goofy nothing something. Right? Right? So why could we, can we only spend 30 minutes in church? See, that's skewed priorities. And we don't have a service this evening. This is it. Right? After uh, the service concludes, somewhere around noonish. Noon-ish. Then uh, you can eat and take naps. Whatever, watch sports, whatever, till, till you're done. <clears throat> but uh, it's not just that we come to church and we check a box and say, I went. Something was supposed to happen. Something was supposed to be accomplished. And here we are talking about vision. And so, um, uh, in fact, I tell you what, we'll, we'll just do it this way. Uh, hold your place in James. And um, let's go to uh, Proverbs, I believe it's the 29th uh, chapter, or they'll put it up on the screen for us. You can stay there in, in, in James. Put it on the screen for us, Proverbs 29, 18. You're in James 4. It says, where there is no vision, what happens? The people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. Now this uh, this word's interesting in the King James. I don't think we get the full import, and that's why sometimes you need to look up a word or or look at a different translation or or two or three. Listen to some of these, and you'll begin to see that the message says it like this: If people can't see what God is doing, Message Bible, they stumble all over themselves. And that, that word perish, um, it, it might not be exactly what we would think of as perish. It has the idea of being undirected, uncontrolled. And of course there's a connection because if you're, if you're uncontrolled, if you're just all over the place, well that's how you could wind up being perishing. But they that attend to what he reveals, are most blessed. The the word, like I said, it means loose, uncontrolled, unrestrained. It has to do with no focus or direction. Without a vision, people are all over the place, bouncing around. You know, uh, my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin Sr., who's in heaven now, he said he used to go by the altar in the churches where they grew up, where he started first started ministering. And uh, sometimes he'd interrupt people while they're praying at the altar. They'd look up. He said, uh, what are you praying about? 
and uh, they'd look at him sometimes baffled, and and uh, and he, more than once he said they'd say, "Well, uh, nothing in particular." He said, "That's what you'll get." Huh? Nothing in particular. Well, if you don't know what you're praying for, how would you even know if it came to pass or not? Can you see we're talking about the same thing? With no vision, there's no focus. There's no direction. And it's actually your faith that that uh, hooks to and empowers your vision. When you say, well, believe God... For what? Huh? There's got to be some focus for your faith. Some direction for it. And your vision is that focus. And the vision should not just come from something you or I come up with. It should come from the Lord. Do you agree with that? Now look in James, like we started to look, James 4, verse 1. He said, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Don't they come from here? Your lust that war in your members? You lust and have not? You kill and desire to have and can't obtain. You fight in war. Yet you have not. Why? Huh? He said, he said people are doing all kind of things to try to get what they want. But they're not doing this. Not asking. Asking who? God. Not asking. You have not because you ask not. He goes on to say you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. So it's not just asking, but it's correct asking. Right? It's correct asking. In John 15, 7... John 15, 7, well, I meant, hold your place in uh, James. I'm moving too fast. But in John 15, 7, they can put that on the screen for us. He, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, I will give you whatever you need. Huh? Because I know what you need. And I'll take care of it. No. You have not. Why? Because you didn't ask. You wouldn't ask. He was saying. And you're asking the wrong way. For the wrong thing. Asking must be important. Did the Lord tell us to ask? He did. But you got a lot of people who think they know better. Part of what we do on Vision Sunday is ask. Right? We're we're asking the Lord for more than enough to put into the kingdom. We're asking the Lord for more than enough to pay all our bills, get caught up, pay off our debts, fulfill our obligations. Right? And then we ask for things that We'd like to do. We would enjoy to do. That would be beyond what we could produce. But each one involves asking. Now you'll find 
when it, when it comes to things like this, our vision Sunday, and, and we act on the scripture that talks about write the vision and make it plain, there are people who mock folks, folk like us. And who even say that we're wrong, we're, we're skewed, we're, we're materialistic, we're, we're this, we're that. And, and, and they want to leave the impression that they're more submitted to the will of God and they're saying, God, it's just all up to you. I just, I'm leaving it all up to you because you know best. And see, that sounds religious. But is, does it agree with the Bible? Did the Lord say, leave it all up to me? Did he ever say that? No. No. What did he say? He said, ask, right? Well, what if you ignore him and say, no, I got a better idea, God. I'm just going to leave it up to you. Will that work? That's not being submissive. That's being disobedient. That's acting like you know better than him. Hmm? Help me out. If the Lord says, ask, what should you do? You should ask. But that, that's what we do on, on Vision Sunday. So uh, he said in John fifteen seven, if you abide in me, this is not just doing something on Sunday. This is living in a continual communion with him. You talk to him in the morning. You praise him in the afternoon. Is that right? You worship, worship him at night on your bed. You if you, if you abide, you can also translate live. It's where you live. You live there. If you live in me and stay in me and my words live in you and stay in you, what will you do? You'll ask something. You'll ask what you will. And it'll be done to you. What will be done to you? What God decides for you? No. What you asked. What you asked for. Go to Matthew the 7th chapter. I know some of these may be familiar. But again it's not what you know. It's what you act on. Matthew 7, 7. Put that on the screen for us please. Jesus had given an example. Of somebody being bold enough to ask. You'll find this over in Luke's account as well. Of this same happening. Somebody that was just brazen enough to go up and ask for something in some uncomfortable situations and they got what they asked for. And the Lord's uh, summary of the whole thing was what? So ask and it'll be given to you. What else? Seek and you'll find it. Knock and it'll be open to you. Did the Lord say ask? Ask. Do you remember what happened with Solomon, who turned out and became the wisest man who ever lived? He offered all of these uh, thousand uh, sacrifices, and the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And you know what he said? Ask what you want me to do for you. Wouldn't God know what he needs? Better than he does? Then why did he tell him to ask? He doesn't do everything for us, church. He doesn't control our minds 
and desires, we'd just be robots. We wouldn't be human beings. He interacts with us. He wants to hear what we're wanting. He wants to hear our priorities and our faith. And it gives him a right to respond to us when we did ask for something in faith. So what did he say? Ask and what will happen? It will be given to you. What else? Seek. Look for it. Go after it. And what will happen? You'll find it. What else? Knock. The says, well, it, you know, they didn't invite me in. Well, knock. Huh? Didn't look like uh, they were going to let me be a part. Well, did the Lord tell you to go there or not? See, don't be led by external things. Don't be led by opportunities or uh, needs or any of these things. Be led by the Spirit of God. If you say, well, it looks like there's a great, you know, opportunity. Well, that did the Lord tell you to do it. Don't just plunge into it because you can. Yeah, well, the door is closed and locked and bolted. Yeah, but did he tell you to go through? Then you just stand there and you knock and you talk to it till it opens up. Come on, hell, listen to me. We're not led by external things. We're now born again. We got the Holy Spirit. We're led internally. Ask. Seek. Knock. That's our part. Did he tell us to do it? Then what should we do? Say we're going to leave it all up to him? No. Say, well, I just believe God's in control. See, that's a popular phrase. What do you mean by that? If you're talking about the overall big plan, yeah. He's, he's, he's going to do things in times and seasons that he's preordained. If you're talking about controlling everything you do and think, no. No, he is not. And he's not going to. And so God is not in control of everything you say and do and everything that happens in your life. He is not. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you don't let him in, if you don't invite him in, if you don't ask, if you don't seek, you don't knock, he won't be involved in your things. He will not be controlling your things. This is one of the biggest issues that the church has gotten wrong. The religious traditional church. Always talking about God is in control. It's a wrong doctrine. It's not what the Bible teaches. What did he tell us? I've got it. I'm in control. No. Ask. Right? Ask. Seek. Knock. Go to Isaiah. Can you take a little bit more? Well, you know, whatever you do, you need to do it in faith. And we're about to ask. Are you, are you, you prepared to ask for something today? Or if not, we're, we missed it somewhere. Huh? Uh, Isaiah, the seventh chapter. You remember the psalmist said, Psalm 2, don't, don't turn there, but you're going to Isaiah. He said, ask of me and I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance. Well, why, why would we need to ask? 
That's, that's the correct answer. Because he said so. Right? It's exactly what I was going to say. You know, people say, well, you know, parents should never tell children because I said so. Yes, they should. Yes, they should. Huh? No, you need to give them an explanation. There's some things you can't explain to a three-year-old. And if they never get the concept, just do it because I told you to. How are they going to apply that to God? When and where are they going to learn that? Because he does you that way every day. Is that right? He'll tell you to do something. And you'll go, how come? And there'll be crickets. Because you know all you need to know if you're going to walk by faith. Right? Because I said so. Is right. Comes back to do you trust him or not? Isaiah 7. Is, is that what I said? And verse, um, what did we say? Yeah, 11. 11, that's right. Isaiah 7, 11. When the prophet came to the king, and the word from the Lord was this. He said to the king, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Ask it, either in depth or in height above. Wow. Wow. He, what's he saying? Make it as big as you want to. Make it as high, you know, as heaven. Make it deeper than hell. You Why? Because you're dealing with God now. Huh? He can do beyond what you can ask. Hmm? Didn't Ephesians talk about he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all he decides for us. No. No. All that we what? Ask and think. Our asking, of course, our thinking's connected to our asking, and our asking's connected to the exceeding abundantly. So here, the Lord, through his, through his mouthpiece, through his prophet, says, ask. Ask is high as you want to. Ask as deep and far as you want to. And listen to the king's response. Ahaz says, I will not ask. Neither will I tempt the Lord. Now this is religious men's ideas. Huh? Oh no. Oh no. No, I, I won't. I won't tempt the Lord. Who said anything about tempting the Lord? Huh? The Lord didn't say, don't tempt me. What did he say? Ask me for something. Ask me for a sign as big as you could possibly imagine. <clears throat> Ask me for something. Is he a big God or is he a big God? Huh? Then there needs to be some big asking. Oh, somebody got it. Two, two people. Is he a big God or not? Then there needs to be some big asking. Big asking. And yet, you know, where did this idea come from? The Lord tell you to ask and you're going to show him how humble you are by not asking. Wonder where that, that idea came from. 
That's the enemy. But see, it is, it's framed in religion. He comes up with this idea. Oh, I don't don't want to tempt the Lord. Where did you get that? But that's, that's exactly how religious ideas of men work. They quote religious ideas, even quote scriptures, and fail to realize you are arguing with God. What did he say do? Did he warn you about tempting him? No, he didn't bring it up. We ain't talking about tempting. Right? What did he say? Ask me and go ahead and stretch out. Ask. Ask big, tall, deep, wide. Come on. Ask me. He says, ooh, 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 no, no. And did the Lord look at him and go, that's why I like you. So humble. Bless your heart. I'm so, uh uh-uh, no, no. Somebody say no, no. No. Look at the next verse. He says, hear now, house of David. You know when the Lord starts referring to your ancestors in a formal way? Huh? You know what you should do? You should start kneeling down right there and go, oh, God, forgive me. I said something wrong, did it? Yeah, you sure did. Hear now, house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? But you're going to weary my God also? This is how God feels about people ignoring him when he tells you to do something and replacing it with some religious junk that is a pseudo-fake humility. Come on, are you with me or not? And there's, uh, there is so much of this junk around. You know it. It's everywhere. Oh, I'm not going to ask. Oh, no, I'm just going to leave it up. You can't leave up to the Lord what he left up to you. It's real simple. Child of God. If God says ask. Come on, help me out. Help me out. Don't think you're smarter than him. He's not doing some kind of reverse psychology, telling you to ask and hoping you won't. God's a straight shooter. Do you believe it or not? He's absolutely, totally honest, straightforward, clear. It's the enemy who's always giving you these warped, twisted convoluted ideas making it so complicated mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. he said he said it's one thing for you to weary men but you're trying my patience boy <laughs> are y'all okay so go with me if you would <coughs> Having said that, go with me to Habakkuk, the second chapter, and let's talk more detail about what we're doing today. Habakkuk 2 and verse 2. Our faith produces our vision. He said, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Somebody say, write the vision. Write the vision. 
If the Lord said write division, what do you do? You should write it down. Write division. Make it plain upon tables. Or I guess today it could be tablets. That he may run that reads it. Uh, Listen to the amplified version of this. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision, this is the amplified, and engrave it so plainly upon tablets that everyone that passes by may be able to read it easily and quickly as he hastens by. This is not some code, complex, vague thing. This is something so specific, so focused, that anybody else could look at it and know what you're talking about. Right? Not this whatever. Open-ended, non-specific, vague, no. Now, that doesn't mean you're supposed to have all the details for something, but you want to pray about it, look at it, think about it, until you get some kind of direction. Hmm? We're believing for a... One of these. Now, don't be set in stone about necessarily the color or the this or the that. There could be a new color you hadn't even seen yet come out. Right? But at the same time, you can at least have a, a, enough direction that if anybody else read it, they go, well, they're believing for a car. Right? right. Or a house. Or they're believing for money for the, the kingdom. So he says, uh, for the vision is for an appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not deceive or disappoint. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not be behind hand on its appointed day. And look at the very next verse. Look at the proud. His soul is not straight or right within him, but the just and the righteous man shall live by his faith. And in his faithfulness. So does living by faith, walking by faith, and and having a vision, are they connected? Right here in this same passage. And even writing the vision, making it plain. Uh, I've mentioned in talking about this, the Lord's direction for Phyllis and myself. Uh, Back in the 80s, 1980s, we were doing this. Uh, Jesse Duplantis was talking to me the other day and uh, his granddaughter said he said she came to him and said uh, is it true grandpa she said he said what he, that that you uh you were born in the in the 19s <laughs> well yeah right because you got to realize you know uh uh, 23-year-old was born what? In the year two, 2000, so 24. So, uh, uh, yeah, back in the 1980s, uh, Phyllis and I, were all, we already had a vision list, but we only had two categories in it. We had, number one, what we're believing to put into the kingdom of God, and then number two was our obligations and our debts. And this coincided with what I just shared with you earlier about the time we got behind, and then we, we saw Matthew 6.33 put the kingdom first, and so we started doing that on a yearly basis. 
We'd actually do it right at the end of the year, the beginning of January. You know, we sat down in our kitchen table, just she and I, with a yellow legal pad. Uh, I don't know if iPads were even out at that point. I don't think they were. And uh, <clears throat> No, they weren't. And Anybody know what a yellow legal pad is? <laughs> you can almost see some of the young guys going, legal? What makes it legal? It just... <laughs> You can Google it, okay? Uh, so we would sit down at the table, just she and I, and we would talk about, okay, for this, this new year, what we're believing to put into the kingdom of God. And then uh, we'd talk about that for a while because that's supposed to be first. Seek ye first. And then we'd talk about, in our second category, any debts we had, any obligations we had made, and we're gonna, and so then we'd kneel down and just she and I, and we would release faith for these things. And we saw year after year the Lord do these things. And we, so we would have what we'd call mark-offs. Yeah. You know, something that you had put down, and so it would happen, and so we'd mark it off and put the date beside it. And praise God. Thank God for it. Well, this went on until we're into the 90s now, <clears throat> and this was the, um, I believe this was the the end of 95 and 96, I believe. And so uh, uh, we're doing this again. And uh, the, uh, the we're sitting there, and we did what we'd done for years. And we're about to kneel down and pray and do what we normally do. And the Lord dealt with me, turned to a clean page. I thought, hold up, hold up. I got something. And... Told Phyllis what I had. She said, well, let's look. What? And the Lord said, turn to a clean page. So what should you do now? Help me out. Help me out. <clears throat> huh? <laughs> turn to a clean page. And I don't know why. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, uh, now, you, talking about you, both of you, you have uh, put me first, and you put the kingdom first, and you've put your obligations and debts second. Now, number three. Write down anything, everything you'd like to have or do if money was no object. I told Phyllis that, and we, we looked at each other. What do you do now? What should you do? Oh, we don't need anything. Lord, we don't want it. See, you aggravate the Lord doing things like that. He loves you, but he didn't have to be pleased with all your goofy stuff. What did, what did he say here? Is you're going to weary men? That's one thing. But but don't weary me. He when he says do something, he actually expects you to do it. And so we sat there, and it didn't take us 45 minutes for me to realize one of the big reasons that he told us this. There were there there are numerous ones. But we sat there, and every couple of moments, we'd say, well, what about this? You know, we always thought we'd want one of them. And the next phrase was, well, how much did that cost? And the Lord would remind us, I said, if money was no object, if it wasn't even a factor. Because, see, you're thinking about, can you produce it? He's talking about faith. He's talking about something beyond you. And so then, after about 45 minutes, we, we both sat there and looked at our list, 
It was that long. It was pitiful. It was pitiful. This is big as we can think. Isn't that what the Lord said in Isaiah? Ask. Ask big. Ask high. Ask deep. Ask. And he said, oh, ooh, I won't. I won't. <laughs> the Lord didn't like it. And so we looked at each other and we thought, you really get a, a, a realization of how small your vision has been. Of how, and, and see, small vision is connected to small faith. So we sat there for another couple of hours. And we talked, and we thought, and we put down some things that there was no way we could figure out how to make happen. We put down some things that none of our friends had had happen before. Huh? What are we doing? Now, this is faith now, right? It would take God to do this. We don't know how. And some of those things came to pass before the end of the year. Others, it took five years for them to come to pass, but they did. You know, years are passing anyway, right? Some of them took 10 years. And so every year we'd carry it over to the next vision list. And it doesn't mean you can't add something to your vision list in July, right? But you don't put anything on there haphazardly or just casually. You look at it, you think about it, you pray about it, you check with the Lord. And and then when you put it on there, doesn't make any difference what it looks like. Yeah. Months coming, even years coming and going. And some of the things that we put on there, like I said, uh, some of them took 10 years, but they were pretty sizable things. And when they happened, it put us in a different place. Come on, can you see this? Yeah. Somebody say, right to vision, right to vision. Right to vision, he said. Make it plain. And he talked about increase. So that's what we, uh, <clears throat> we're doing today. And we also give a report of what the Lord has done for us in the previous year. And the Bible said to do provide things honest in the sight of all men. And uh, this is one, uh, one way that we do this. Now we just had our board meeting. We got board members uh, in the church at Sarasota and also board members. Board members that are here, well, in both places. Would you stand up?